Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and play. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 23rd. This is week three of the preseason. We're only a couple of weeks away from the real games. Can't wait. My name's Michael Nazarek, Fantasy Football Mastermind, CEO, President, and Co-host of this show, the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, with my good friend and very experienced fantasy writer, Chris Rito. How you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Very well. We're also just a couple of days for a lot of us from your fantasy draft. I know a lot of folks have their local draft the week before Labor Day. I know I do. I've got one Saturday night, one Sunday afternoon, my local option the week after. So, man, I'm looking forward to really diving into it and getting into the uh, the nitty-gritty of what's the best day of the year. Draft day is always the most fun, especially if you're sitting around in a room with all your buddies. Yep, I'm right there with you. Traffic on the website has, like, boomed over the past couple of days. This is definitely the week that everyone's checking things out. Oh, i got to renew my subscription to Mastermind. We're right here to take care of you, give you everything that you need to know in order to draft a winning team, and we're really excited about it. Let's get right into the news and notes of the week. Uh, The first news, we'll we'll start by quarterback here. Uh, Not really a big surprise down in Tampa. Uh, Baker Mayfield's going to start week one for Tampa. They said week one, so technically maybe not have named him the official starter, but it's probably going to be a week-to-week thing. Do you think that Baker Mayfield's going to hold that job like Geno Smith did in uh, in, uh, Seattle last uh, year, Chris? Well, maybe. In fact, I had seen a couple of reports that said uh, that uh, Todd Bowles had said he is going to be their quarterback for the season. So I, I, it's, I've seen some mixed reports there. Um, I actually think it's, it's a great call, and I actually think he's fairly underrated for fantasy. He's, he's basically going undrafted. Uh, on occasion, he might go in the last round of a draft because uh, a lot of people were unsure if he was the starter. But if you think about it, he's got ludicrous weapons with, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and, frankly, a, a running game that's a little bit unproven and a, a defense that's declining. So there could be opportunity for volume here. He's a great guy to pick up as your third quarterback, uh, you just might give you something down the road. So I, I, as a number three, I mean, I wouldn't rely on him obviously yet, um, but I, I think the risk and reward is just pretty decent for a guy that's basically going undrafted. Yeah, all he has to do is basically be adequate and uh, get the, you know, to get the ball to Mike Evans and, and Godwin, and uh, you know, Rashard White will do the rest in terms of the ground game. And and you're right, uh, he should have some success. I tell you, if he struggles and gets benched and all, I don't know, but we might not, we might that might be the end of Baker Mayfield in the in the league finally. But you know, we'll see. Anyway, moving on over to the running back position, the big news of the week was, of course, we knew that Jonathan Taylor wanted to be uh, asked for a trade. 
Well, he would actually receive permission from the team, from the Colts, to uh, to seek a trade. So the question is, do you think that there's going to be a trade there? The, there are teams that are interested, maybe Buffalo, maybe Miami. Uh, but, I mean, it's not only uh, giving the Colts what they want in terms of draft capital, but also uh, satisfying uh, JT with giving him a big contract that he wants. What do you? Uh, what's your thoughts on it, Chris? Yeah, it's interesting because he's actually also traveling with the team for the preseason game, which is it all it all makes the whole he's at odds with the team thing kind of wonky. I don't, I honestly don't know what to make of this. This is this is better theater than a soap opera right now. Um, as far as the trade, I, I just don't see it happening because there were options out there that you could have got for next to nothing, uh, or at least I, I mean no no compensation. You still would have had to have the contract. Josh Jacobs is basically in the same position, young guy, proven, could have got him uh, and signed him to that matching contract when he had the offer. You know, they didn't, nobody did it. Nobody was offering these guys huge money. And now with, with Jonathan Taylor, you've still got, you know, to, to sign him to a long-term deal probably for a bigger one than anyone was offering. And you've got to give up draft compensation because he's, he's under contract. So I just can't see anyone being willing to pony up the kind of money and having the, the, either the draft capital or player capital to make a trade that the Colts are going to want to do. The Colts really have no motivation to do it. They've got a great running back on his rookie deal. At worst-case scenario, they could franchise him twice. So I, I, I just don't see the motivation for this to happen, and I think maybe they're letting him look around in this very depressed running back market so that everyone can see exactly how little these running backs are getting paid. Fair or not, it's just the reality of the situation right now. Yeah, this is the same thing that happened to Austin Eckler, although it happened back in March. He was uh, seeking for a trade, and nobody stepped up and wanted to pay him. And and, uh, and it, what happens, they just uh, placate him by giving him a few extra incentives here. And, of course, Saquon Barkley was in the same situation, although they actually uh, added more money. It was mostly incentives with reachable incentives and all, and uh, you know gave him, a, gave him a $2 million signing bonus up front so, you know, to placate him for this year. And I think this is the status of the running back position right now. And it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it goes. And I'm not going to complain about something or feel bad about somebody. Uh, oh, I can only make 10 million or 12 million. You know, I understand when compared to quarterbacks that are making 40 and 50 million dollars a year, uh, it's it's peanuts, but it's still a significant amount of money. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll just go on from there. I think he's going to end up showing up and playing, but you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm fading him a little bit in my drafts because uh, he is sliding uh, to the third round and such, or maybe even the fourth round in a high stakes FFPC. Uh, address, but you know we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of Josh Jacobs, uh, you know the, the report does say that he is going to show. Uh, and th- this is right here in Henderson, uh, the, the Review Journal, Las Vegas Review Journal, that he is going to show before uh, Week One, sign the deal, and and play for uh, the Raiders because what choice does he really have? He's going to make 10.1 million there. So uh, you know I would draft Jake's at Jacobs as I normally would. In fact, I'd probably wait a little bit later in the drafts and avoid Taylor and draft Jacobs at this point right now. Uh, not. Jay Harris is an interesting case study in in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he he kind of was disappointed last year. Jalen Warren, the backup, uh, as the season progressed, started seeing a little bit more time here and all. But at the end of the year, they were like, Harris is still a starter, and that's still the company line in Pittsburgh. But the fact is, is that they they play the run the the, the preseason game, and Harris plays the first couple snaps on third down. They bring in Warren, and then they get the first down. And then Warren stays in the game and rips off a 60-yard touchdown run on the next play. And that's it, it for the starters for that game. People are saying, hey, how can you keep Warren on the sidelines? Well, Harris is still the starter, but is Warren going to see extra playing time? 
Do you fade Najee Harris in your draft this summer? What's your take on this, Chris? Uh, believe it or not, it could be both. Uh, this is having a real Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott vibe. <laughs> you know, if you think about what it looked like last year in Dallas or even the year before. Um, the thing is, Pittsburgh really had a fairly inefficient offense, mostly due to terrible quarterback play and no real receiving options uh, for much of the last couple of years. That's all looking to be a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And Warren is definitely going to get more playing time. He's going to get more snaps. He's going to get third down stuff and probably some more first and second down snaps. But Harris isn't going away. And I think while Harris's total touches, I mean, he's been a volume hog, but very inefficient. He might get a few more higher quality looks because of the improvement of the offense. So maybe his touchdown total comes back, but he will definitely not be the volume hog he was before. And Warren is certainly viable as, you know, maybe a, a flex play, uh, definitely as an RB4, absolutely as a handcuff for Harris. Um, but he's getting me a real Tony Pollard vibe, although I don't, I can't necessarily say this offense is good enough for me to say Jalen Warren is going to be, you know, an RB1 or RB2 uh, playing part-time. Okay. Uh, I want to move to wide receiver, and there is a key injury because it struck a, a, a solid fantasy starter, and that's Terry McLaurin. Uh, it's been diagnosed with a turf toe injury, and uh, Dr. Chalfa, the fantasy doctor on, on Twitter, said that these tend to linger, can linger into the season. They're calling it, they're saying not that serious, and he's day-to-day. He's going to stay off his feet for the next couple of days. We're still two and a half weeks out from uh, from the regular se- regular season, but... Oh. Well, that's my other phone just went off, and that's what happens when a spam call comes. So anyway, uh, getting back to what I was saying, uh, Terry McLaurin uh, is iffy to play in week one. So the question here is that uh, Jahan Dotson has been going behind him in these fancy drafts, two, three, four rounds behind him. But now, as a result of this injury, I've seen seen it where McLaurin is going around seven now instead of five or six, and now Dotson's moving up from around nine or ten into eight. Uh, what's your take on uh, Dotson versus McLaurin, Chris? Yeah, Dotson has been actually rising all, all summer. He'd been closing that gap anyway. And a lot of the people, I, I mean, Terry McLaurin was already a little bit undervalued, uh, in, in according to ADP, in my opinion, already. And I think a lot of that undervalue is because nobody knew about Sam Howell. Sam Howell's looked great, uh, practice and, and a little bit of game time he's had. So that whole offense is starting to look a little more convincing. I think – all that, that rising tide is going to raise all the boats eventually above their ADP. But, yes, McLaurin definitely is starting to become a little bit more of a 1-1A one one uh, with Jahan Dotson, who has looked absolutely like the better receiver in camp so far, for what it's worth in practice against backups. Fill in your blanks here. But um, they're probably both going to have similar value. I would still think McLaurin is going to outperform him overall. But if the draft differential, the difference between their rounds, Days where it is, Dotson will give you better value. If you got to start taking them at the same place, I think I'm still taking McLaurin head to head. That's interesting. Yeah, we were at, I was watching a draft online, uh, FFPC style, and they they had uh, they uh, the draft where McLaurin went about seven eight picks ahead of Dotson, and that's the closest that I've seen it. And they're saying that well, it looks like maybe McLaurin might be uh, fading just a bit too much. 
And, in fact, they wouldn't be surprised, you know, if McLaurin doesn't practice the next week or so, that right at, the, at week one as we enter, because we have a lot of the FFPC drafts uh, right before Thursday night and actually have main event drafts after, that you might actually see the, the ADP flip on them, and whereas McLaurin becomes more of a value pick than Dotson. But, uh, Dotson, you can't go wrong here. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just getting Brock Purdy vibes from Sam Howell. I mean, both of these young quarterbacks are really impressing. And, uh, you know, so we were like, well, there's a dearth of quarterback talent in the because you got a lot of guys that just retired and such, and now we've got these young guys that are, that are stepping up out of nowhere and doing a pretty good job. So, uh, you know, it remains to be seen here. I feel a little bit better about Purdy than I do about Hal, but they both look good, and if it continues, there's no reason why the receivers in these for these teams can't, uh, you know, produce nicely for their fantasy owners. I've got a vested interest already in McLaurin. I've drafted him a couple, a couple of drafts. In one draft, I took him in the fifth round, and another one, I took him in the sixth, and this was before the injury, and I'm like, well, I hope he plays but the bottom line is one of them is in the, in the best ball. You're going to get the good with the bad. Uh, you know. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that the future, I think, looks bright for both McLaurin and, and, and uh, Dawson, mostly because of Hal there, um, You know, and we'll move on from there. Uh, one one uh, other note before I go to the really quickly through the injury list, veteran receiver Corey Davis has decided to step away from football. He didn't use the term retire and all, but there's something going on there, personal issues and such. He's been away from the Jets for a couple of weeks now, and uh, or actually mostly, mostly a week, uh, several days. Uh, and, in fact, he had uh, been on the depth chart as the number two ahead of Alan Lazard. Everyone thought that Lazard was the number two. Well, he, it looks like Lazard now will be number two, but although uh, Randall Cobb will probably have to fill a bigger role there because uh, Corey Davis is no longer now with the Jets. I think He's going to step away for a year and reevaluate. We might. He's only 28, so we might see Corey Davis again in the league next year, maybe with the Jets or some other team. But for right now, you can cross Corey Davis off your list. Let's get to the list of injuries. Uh, the only quarterback is Joe Burrow. His recovery timeline remains unchanged, and uh, head coach Zach Taylor said, hey, he looks great walking around here. Yeah, he can look great walking around. It's sitting practice, but... He's not been practicing with the team yet, but he's been taking reps here and there, especially before the preseason games, looking good. The arm looks good, of course. You know, it's, it's the cap we're worried about. I think uh, he, he should be drafted exactly where he should be going, and if, he, if people fade on him, then jump on him on Joe Burrow, just you know, make sure you draft another solid backup just in case the calf injury uh, flares up. Uh, running backs, Miles Sanders, groin injury, there's good return to practice. That's good news there. He says he's going to play in week one. Now, in Miami, rookie Devon Chain injured his shoulder. He's week to week. That means a slow start for him. And, of course, Mostert, Raheem Mostert is a starter. Jeff Wilson is injured. He's going to be the backup. He's probably going to be healthy by week one. So you expect a slow start for a Chain's rookie season there. Elijah Mitchell looked back up and handcuffed for CMC in San Francisco with an adductor injury. He returned to practice this week. That's good news there. Cooper Cup with a hamstring uh, set to return to practice. He's already doing things on the side uh, field there. They're going to, to scrimmage, I think, uh, for, with the Raiders. Uh, everything looks good there. So, uh, you know, I, I stopped the feet on Cooper Cup there. Amron St. Brown has a, a leg injury, but he should be go. It's not very serious. He should be good to go by week one. So I'd, I'd hold him, his value there. Jackson Smith, Najigba, um, I'm not sure quite how to say the last part of his name, but that rookie, he uh, broke a bone in his wrist on a, a near touchdown play when he landed on his hand. He's going to miss three to four weeks. He's a long shot to play week one. Um, you know, this uh, I've been drafting Lockett ahead of, of Smith. 
uh, Nezuzma, uh, all summer long. I like Tyler. I like established, proven receivers. He's going to score touchdowns. Uh, I'm going to fade Mr. Jackson there just a little bit there. Uh, but if long-term, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a good fit. Uh, he looks really good with uh, Geno Smith and all, and that offense is going to be very potent. D.J. Chark uh, in, in Carolina has a hamstring injury, but it's not serious. Dylan Waddle, big injury update here on uh, with his midsection. The team is being cautious. He should be good to go by week one, so everything looks good there. Traylon Burks uh, with the leg. He's questionable for uh, for week one, so keep an eye on him. Jordan Addison, rookie, a concussion. He's clear the, the, the protocol and return to practice for the Vikings. A couple of key injury updates on uh, uh, for tight end. T.J. Hawkinson, uh, Minnesota. Of course, he had an ear infection. He's over that, but he's got lower back stiffness. Doesn't seem serious. Should be good to go for week one. George Kittle with the adductor strain in San Francisco has returned to practice. That's good there. And Mike Gazeki with a shoulder. He also returned to a limited practice. He should be good to go by week one. And, of course, we want to make sure everyone reminds uh, one mind, everyone, check out MyFFPC.com. They're, they're a sponsor. Not only a sponsor, I've been playing in their high-stakes main event for all 13 14 years it's been around $2,000 with a chance of a million to win. Uh, I've, I've won uh, almost 40 k over the last eight years playing in this contest. They pay promptly. It's a blast drafting down, and, and I can't wait to draft again live. At, at, on the strip at Point Hollywood, it, we're going to be drafting Friday night, the day after the first game on Thursday night. It's always a, a great uh, atmosphere, really a lot of excitement. And if you don't have the money to come, or you can do it on, right online, and if you don't have the money to play in the main event, they've got uh, leagues as low as um, $35, $77. And they've got their big best ball tournament, 70% filled, uh, $125 to enter with a chance to win $200,000. You can't beat that. They run the best uh, high-stakes fancy contests around in all of the Internet. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Read Drafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, please check out our website, ffmastermind.com, and our flagship feature, NFL Quick Bits, updated with the latest news and injuries during the preseason, ffmastermind.com slash quickbits.php. You won't be disappointed. And, of course, we're still pumping out all the information, uh, a lot of free, good free stuff there, uh, keeping track of all the player movements, free agent signings, and, of course, our free, agent eye, uh, free eye in the sky scan reports. 
including those that cover the Colts from Chris Rito, uh, our, our premium master's list customizable cheat sheets, MCP board, and executive draft master software have been updated. Again, it's like the ninth or 10th update. Version 5 of the preseason draft guide was released last Friday, 23 articles, 489 pages. It's going to go over 500 this Friday. Uh, were more articles released, including uh, a very good one from Eddie Rex uh, talking about five players to draft that no one wants. <laughs> and Brock Purdy's on the list, people, so <laughs> this is one article that's really uh, good right now. And, of course, we will be updating. In fact, I'm going to be updating the sleeper feature and the creeper feature here in the next couple of days on the site. I just updated the Mastermind draft plan that goes over – Early uh, first-round pick, late first-round pick, the first 10 rounds, where, who you should be targeting, what position you should be targeting, and samples according to the latest ADP on what players we like and where you should be drafting them and who to actually draft. So really excited about all of that. The, the draft guide is at $19.95. Uh, premium summer rates on the site is the guide, all the updates, and, of course, the um, weekly in-season newsletters. That's the Pro Bowl package, $49.95. Super Bowl package is everything, including our Draft software that I just mentioned there. And please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. And this is our tight end show, tight end preview. So we're going to go over the top 10 tight ends for myself and Chris Rito from a PPR league perspective. So, Chris, hit me with your top three tight ends. Well, I don't need to convince anyone Travis Kelsey is at the top of the list, but I just found some crazy stats I wanted to share here. Seven straight years over 1,000 yards. First ballot Hall of Famer Tony Gonzalez only did that four times in 17 years. He's averaged 96 catches for 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns in those seven years and 102 and 1,300 yards and 10 in his five years with Mahomes. Last year, he had 50% ahead of the guy that was second. That's just crazy. He's a first-round pick in most any scoring system. Uh, Mark Andrews is my number two. Uh, four very consistent years. He's been a top-five tight end, solid touchdown score, averaging about 75 catches, 940 yards, and eight scores uh, every year. Even with the additions they've made to really improve the receiving core, he's still going to be the primary target in a passing game that's expected to take a step forward in volume this year. He's the safest pick to be closer to Kelsey probably than anyone else. And my number three is George Kittle. Um, everything about this guy says he's got a high floor. He's a great PPR guy despite modest touchdown totals before last year. He's just not stayed healthy uh, for the last three seasons after two monster campaigns. The reason I have him ranked so high is that the 49ers offense may be one of the best in the league this year, and his numbers with Brock Purdy under center were magnificent. He was a tight end one in the last six weeks down the stretch. Uh, and the PPR points per game, he's never been lower than TE3 in the last five seasons. So Kittle's my number three for sure. Well, you can't go wrong with those three, and the top two are the same as my top two, Travis Kelsey, all-world tight end. We all need no that you should be drafting him. And in the FFPC tight end premium league, his ADP is 102, and half the time he goes in 101 before Justin Jefferson. So there you go. We all know what Mr. Kelsey can do. Number two, Mark Andrews, like you said. The, the only thing that, that scares me a little bit is that uh, Lamar Jackson's had some issues staying healthy, and when he's not healthy, and, of course, Lamar Andrews got hurt last year too, but when uh, when Lamar Jackson's out, it's kind of tough for him to produce with uh, Tyler Huntley or some, somebody else, uh, a quarterback and team there, but still relatively safe. 
My number three is T.J. Hawkinson uh, coming on over from uh, the Detroit Lions to Minnesota. Uh, he should actually probably get the number two uh, looks in terms of targets behind Justin Jefferson, Minnesota. Uh, he, he's just a really good target, especially in the red zone there. I have him uh, for about 90 catches and 900-plus 900 yards and about eight scores. That's good for number three. George Kittle, uh, boy, like you say, and when he's on, he's on, and Brock Purdy loves throwing to him. Uh, you know, he's Coming off that adductor strain, he had a slow start last year because of his groin, uh, and he still ended up with 11 scores last year. I've got him uh, forecasted for 10 and over 900 yards catching again. He won't catch as many balls as Hawkinson. That's why I've got him down here at number four. And number five, I got uh, Dallas Goder, very uh, consistent. Uh, he just doesn't get the volume that the other guys get. So you know, he might he's going to catch a few more passes than Kittle. And maybe some yards there, but he doesn't get the, the key red zone looks quite as often, as sports, especially considering the fact you've got Jalen Hurts there and runs it in. If it's in the five-yard line, he's either running in or Miles Sanders, or it might go to uh, to A.J. Brown or even Devonta Smith. But most likely, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be somebody other than Goder. That's why he usually scores five or six times, uh, not much more than that. And what about the, the next two uh, players on your list at four and five, Chris? Yeah, I got Hawkinson at four, and the reason I moved him down behind Kittle was actually one of the things you mentioned. The trade to Minnesota probably did vault his floor up a little bit, but it's capped his ceiling. He's no longer the best receiver on his team like he was uh, in Detroit. So I'm going to think that's going to govern his volume a little bit, but maybe have a little bit higher quality targets, especially in the red zone. I mean, he's still a top four tight end, but I do have my doubts he can ever make that step, next step into that challenging, those top three, without a big rise in touchdowns over what he's had before. Um, so I, I just don't – I cannot put him ahead of him until I see it. And I've got Darren Waller, number five. He's in a new place with a new quarterback, but he's in an offense that has used the tight end a lot, especially in the red zone. And, frankly, he should be the top downfield option for a quarterback that a lot of people are taking at the end of the top 12. Um, so let's not forget that recently he did have two straight 1,100-yard seasons and was on pace for, pace for a third in 2021 until he lost eight games to injury. So even last year in a lost season – he was tight end number seven in points per game while playing second fiddle to a target hog in Devontae Adams and being injured. So just don't overlook him. He's one of the few top ten guys that has more upside than his ADP would indicate. Okay. Uh, good analysis there. Number six, my guy is Darren Waller, and uh, the talent is there. The question in my mind is only can he stay healthy. He's definitely the number one target. Boy, he looks really good with then Daniel Jones there. So I'm, I'm slowly coming around there. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to move him up a little bit over Godert, but he certainly does have top four uh, potential if he can stay healthy. Number seven guy on my list is a guy that I'll talk about later uh, in our sleeper overrated, uh, underrated category, uh, Kyle Pitts. All i got to say is that that knee is still not 100%. He's still limping around. They're, they're limiting his practice. But he still has a lot of potential. So when he plays, he can make plays. Uh, but I'd be careful about drafting him, uh, you know, in the middle of rounds of your draft. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Number eight, in my uh, eyes, Evan Ingram, coming off his career year, uh, got the new contract, franchise got the contract. Uh, you know, he's very consistent now. There's a, one more mouth to feed there in Calvin Ridley. So he's, his upside's kind of capped. But I still think he's going to catch around 70 passes, 700-plus yards, four or five scores like that. And that's good enough to get number eight on this list because after you get after the elite guys in the top five or six, it's kind of thinned out. So what about the, the rest of your top ten, uh, Chris? Yeah, after those top five, there's a big drop to these next guys, and there's a, there's a lot of splitting hairs here. I've got Pat Fryermuth, number six. 
Um, he's a, he was a low-end number two tight end as a rookie. That was impressive. What really impressed me was that he kept his value in 2022 despite what you could only call his horrific quarterback play and a very disproportionately low passing touchdown total by the team in total. If anything, his touchdown should regress back upward, which should put him squarely at the top of this kind of group in my eyes. Obviously less than Waller, but he's a guy that possesses a high floor and some upside with a few breaks and some improved quarterback play. Um, I got David Njoku, number seven. Uh, he very quietly posted near career numbers in every category last year, despite missing a fair amount of time and playing with two different quarterbacks in a run-heavy offense with a target hog at receiver. Uh, the quarterback situation stabilized, should be more consistent with Deshaun Watson. Worth noting, Cleveland had the fifth most tight end targets in the NFL last season, and historically Deshaun Watson has heavily targeted his tight end throughout his career. So I think the Browns have always featured Njoku a fair amount when he was healthy, and he's been a solid red zone target. So I think he's going to have a career year this year, which will probably put him in this uh, five, six, seven range. Um, I got Kyle Pitts eight, like you said. Um, his knee's a little bit bulky. That makes me a little bit nervous. The offense isn't really well suited for high volume. Quarterback play may have even gotten worse from last year. But this guy posted 1,000 yards as a rookie on a really bad team, and he's the most talented guy here. On talent alone, he's in the top three. With all these other factors, I just – I just can't move him any higher. He just sneaks into the top ten in what's a weak fantasy class just based on his talent. Um, I've got Evan Ingram, number nine. Like you said, career year. Um, his volume was definitely there. He was in the top five amongst tight ends and targets, catches, yards, and everything. But it really did, like the last three or four weeks, it was kind of different from all the rest of the season. So I'm a little nervous it might be real. And the Calvin Ridley factor is absolutely huge. Um, the volume is just not going to be there for Evan Ingram this year. Uh, the target share won't be there, but it might give him some quality looks in the red zone. So maybe his touchdowns come up, but all of his volume stuff's going to come down, I think. And then Dallas Goddard, I have it at 10. A little bit more about him in a bit. He's a safe high floor guy, uh, but he's got probably a capped upside, unless there's a long-term injury to, to uh, Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown. If you like him, you can probably get the same production from Cole Komet a lot of rounds later. But unlike Komet, Goddard moves into the top 10 here because he's got enough confidence from his coach and quarterback to be a high-volume guy if one of those wide receivers gets hurt. Okay. Uh, well, my number nine guy is Pat Frymuth for many of the same reasons you have there. Uh, I believe that they do have another uh, rookie or another uh, tight end that, that could steal a couple of scores from him because I only have him uh, forecasted for three, but I still think he's going to catch almost 70 passes for almost 800 yards in this offense. That, that's good enough for top 10 numbers. And my new number 10, I'm dropping the guy number nine. I'm not going to mention who it was, but uh, my new number 10 is Tyler Higby. Just uh, so underrated. I can't believe that uh, uh, in one of my drafts, it was a non-PPR uh, league, uh, I, I took Higby as my backup tight end as a 19th tight end off the board. I got him ranked number 10. I still think he's going to catch almost 70 balls. It's about 650 yards and four scores. So there's going to be some good games there. And there'll be some games where, you know, he doesn't do much. But, you know, that's the way it is. This this year, you either have a really good uh, tight end or you pick uh, from the other group of 15 guys or so and, and hope that one of them breaks out. And we're going to talk about those types of guys right now because uh, I'm going to offer a couple of sleepers uh, from this category. Uh, you know, before we uh, began the training, camps, the Dallas Cowboys spent a lot of draft capital to, to draft Luke Schoonmaker, and, but he's had feet issues with his uh, plantar fasciae. 
But the bottom line is that this really woke up Jake Ferguson, second-year tight end, had an outstanding camp, has had made some athletic catches in traffic in preseason. Dak's raving about him. Uh, you know, he's rocketing up my charts here, uh, not quite in the top ten, but he's definitely in the teens right now. And the bottom line is that his ADP is 17, 16, 17 level. Uh, and you can you can get you can wait and draft him as a backup in a regular non-premium tight end league that late and probably get uh, possible elite production down the road. I mean, this guy's even more athletic than Dalton Schultz, and if he becomes that safety blanket for Dak Prescott, then you're going to be uh, happy. Keep that an eye on that name, Jake Ferguson, in your draft. By the way, in FFPC scoring, he's rocketing up. Uh, you have to you have to wait. Uh, you, you have to grab him like round 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there, because. Uh, is a premium tight end, point and a half uh, per catch for tight end system. The other guy on my list that I have is, is uh, Mr. Higby. I uh, just uh, mentioned the fact that, you know, he's, he's so uh, consistent. Uh, he's going to be productive. Stafford likes him. He's, he's going to have some good games. He'll have some bad games and such. But the bottom line is that you can wait and, and draft him uh, somewhere in the teens. Uh, he might be the 19th or the 15th person to draft the, the tight end off your board. And you can get him uh, around uh, – ADP of 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there. It's very reasonable. What are a couple of guys that uh, that you think are underrated, uh, Chris, at tight end? Yeah, Jake Burgess is a great pick. Nothing better than a Dallas Cowboy tight end or a Wisconsin Badger tight end, and he's both. I mean, that's that's just asking for, for good success there. A uh, couple of guys you can probably get really late in your draft or almost, that, that, that are almost going undrafted, which is great. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Greg Dolchich of Denver. A lot of people are drafting rookie Dalton Kincaid as a starter based on the potential and the situation. Dolchich is in a very similar situation, and he's actually done it. You know, once he came back from preseason injury in week six last year, he immediately displaced the starter, and he was sixth in yards and seventh in targets amongst tight ends for that 10-game stretch. Sean Payton's come in and said that Dolchich is going to be his mismatch-inducing joker position. That's kind of what he used Kamara and Sproles as. Now, he's a different player, obviously. And his teams have always made fantasy stars of several tight ends in the past. So with the injuries for the Broncos receivers, I think this is available, a guy available as a late-round tight end, two with some low-end tight end one upside. And then uh, a guy that uh, a lot of people are forgetting about is rookie Sam Laporta in Detroit. If I'm going to draft a rookie tight end this season, I'm not going to spend an early-round pick targeting a sexy overhyped pick like Kincaid as my number one in the fifth or sixth round. I'm going to get Sam Laporta as my number two in the last rounds of the draft. He's on an offense when with a quarterback that is used to tight end heavily, playing for a former tight end coach. When Dan Campbell raves about a rookie tight end and that he drafted ahead of the guy that was the number one tight end and puts him in the lineup, I pay attention. The Lions' pedestrian tight ends last year combined very quietly for 72 catches, 782 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Only three of those by Hawkinson before he left. So this is a tight end-friendly offense. I like Sam Laporta to be overvalued or undervalued compared to his ADP. That's a very good statistics. I can't believe that twelve tight end scores last year, but I, I can I, I I see it in my head because there were so many. Brock Wright scored twice. And what? <laughs> you know, and so they had Shane different they had different guys. <laughs> Shane Zilstra, yeah, Zilstra, right? <laughs> oh my gosh! And he's he's uh, he's um, injured injured. He's out for the year. I remember that. So a couple of guys that I think are overrated, and I already mentioned them before, is Kyle Pitts. Uh, I don't think that that knee is healthy. I've seen uh, uh, I've seen a film of him practicing. He's not making sharp cuts. He's like running uh, slant routes and such. And also in preseason use, uh, he only played like half the f- uh, first team snaps. Uh, you know, he's just not healthy. 
Um, that's a big red warning flag, especially considering the fact that his ADP is the fifth round in, in most PPR leagues right now, and that's way too high for my taste. He's going around in the area of a Kittle, uh, uh, even as uh, Hawkinson, uh, you know, and ahead of Waller. And uh, I, I want no part of that. So, um, And any other guy on my list, Dalton Schultz, there's nothing wrong with Dalton Schultz, but he loses Dak Prescott. And you get C.J. Stroud, who's kind of struggled in the preseason here. The offense is going to kind of, I think the passing game is going to struggle there too. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to become the safety valve. They're going to just dump it all. But they got Nico Collins. They had to get a, and, of course, they're going to ride Damian uh, Pierce most weeks. I just think that the ADP of 10, I would much rather wait and either grab Higby at 12 or 13 or even Jake Ferguson later uh, and let somebody else take Schultz and worry about what his role in Houston is going to be. How about a couple of guys you think are uh, overrated, uh, Chris, at tight end? Yeah, I mentioned Dallas Goddard earlier. He's just got such a low volume. It's a major concern. they got two true alpha dogs. He's just not going to get 100 targets. And despite his reputation, he has yet to play a full season. And even after getting rid of Zach Ertz to clear up opportunity, he's never in his career reached either 60 catches or 850 yards. Never been a touchdown guy. He's only got 19 total scores in five seasons. He's a safe floor guy, very capped upside. And if I'm drafting a guy as a sixth tight end off the board, I need a guy with a better upside. And another equally boring guy that I mentioned was Cole Komet. I mean, he had a very difficult year last year after a 60-catch season. Uh, with a better quarterback, very telling. His numbers fell off a lot in 2022, despite there being no viable wide receivers to get target share for much of the season. The Bears added a real wide receiver one. They added some size in Claypool in the red zone. They're getting speed back in Mooney. Even with the maturation of fields, this is poised to be a very low-volume passing game again this year, and he's just way too low on the totem pole in the Windy City to merit being drafted as a low-end tight end one, which is what he's doing right now. Okay. Uh, before we go, we just want to remind everybody, uh, check out our website again, ffmastermind.com. Lots of good free stuff, but you can try us out for the price of a pizza with everything on it for a draft guide or, of course, the newsletters during, during the season. That's under $40 right now. The whole thing is only $50. That'll get you six great months because now we're going information into January, and it's only late August right now, so uh, don't don't wait. Uh, the season is fast approaching. we just got a couple of more shows to go. In fact, one show coming up next week uh, is our annual Sleeper Creeper show, and it's very popular. So anyway, thank you for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Nasrek, and we'll see you all next week when we do our uh, annual preseason Sleeper Creeper show. Uh, anyway, good night and good luck to everyone drafting this week. Football! Football? You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir!